Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. This week, I'll get to some week one takeaways. I'd say we had a pretty good week based on the recommendations. Julio Jones, John Dotson, Taysom Hill, Josh Allen. I said I don't like recommending elite options, but he showed that he was definitely worth a selection in round three when many say you shouldn't draft a quarterback early. So yeah, I'll hit week one takeaways and then move on to some tips for week two. First, for the Bills, Allen, I mentioned he looked in total control of the offense, as calm as ever. And Gabe Davis, being a full-time starter, I think he played every snap. He'll definitely increase the upside of the whole offense across from Stephon Diggs. And Chris Collinsworth made a good point about the usage between Isaiah McKenzie and Jameson Crowder. I'm guessing McKenzie, like Collinsworth said, will be used more versus man coverage, while Crowder is his own beater for Buffalo. So this week against the Titans, McKenzie I have as a top 50 option. Hopefully he'll be used horizontally to be the Tennessee defense. And in the Buffalo backfield, Devin Singletary looks like the clear lead back. Both Zach Moss and rookie James Cook fumbled and lost the fumble in the opener. While Singletary was decisive and should be able to be a low-end RB2 flex option for at least the first half of the season. The Rams also had some obvious takeaways from the opener. The backfield being the main one with Daryl Henderson being the starter and handling 82% of the offensive snaps, while Cam Akers saw three carries and looked sluggish on his touches. I'm guessing the Achilles is still impacting Akers. It was strange that he returned for the postseason and was the bell cow, but Henderson is clearly the lead guy now. Sean McVay has typically used one running back and it looks like that'll be Henderson, at least until Akers potentially rounds back into form, which honestly might not happen. From a long-term perspective, rookie Kyron Williams got hurt on the kickoff, so he couldn't play on offense in the opener. Now he's going to miss about eight weeks with an ankle injury. So while Henderson will have a chance to lead the backfield for the first half of the season, Williams is someone I'd be picking up and stashing, especially if you have an IR spot. For the passing attack, basically everything funneled through Cooper Cup. Stafford just continually locked onto him, but the Rams didn't sign Allen Robinson to a three-year, $46 million contract to not use him. I expect as soon as this week, Robinson will be a big factor, and I have him ranked as a hopeful, high upside wide receiver too. So I'd say Bills and Rams was the game with the biggest team-wide takeaways. So let's move on to week two specific recommendations. First at quarterback, Tom Brady probably needs to stay in your starting lineup. But I have him, rather than being a borderline top five option, to being a low-end QB1 against the Saints. Especially Chris Godwin being out. That really limits the upside and floor of the offense. But fortunately, Julio Jones basically looked like classic Julio Jones. I know Julio stood out on the GPS tracking devices. I don't know if that was the game or practice or both. But you could see the eye test. Julio definitely passed every time he got the ball. He looked explosive. And if he stays healthy, I'm assuming on the TB12 method, then Julio can be a weekly wide receiver too, especially for as long as Godwin is out. Also, Russell Gage should be boosted into the top 36 at wide receiver. 
I assume he'll be healthier in week two and should see close to a full complement of snaps along with Mike Evans and Julio. For Evans, he probably needs to be started, but he's not fared well in most matchups versus Marshall Lattimore and the Saints. So keep that in mind, especially for DFS lineups. On the New Orleans offense, Taysom Hill was able to turn four carries into 81 yards and a touchdown in the opener. If the Saints continue using him as a runner with design touches, then he needs to be picked up in all formats and started as a potential tight end one option. That Saints-Bucks game is one of the big games on Sunday. Before that, to open the week, we'll get the first Amazon Prime game with the Chargers taking on the Chiefs. Keaton Allen is said to be unlikely to play with a hamstring injury, so Mike Williams should be funneled targets after a quiet opener. Last year, he had a big game against the Chiefs, I think 119 yards in a score, and Josh Palmer behind him will be the number two wideout. He's worth picking up if available and starting as a wide receiver three play. Also, the usage of Austin Eckler wasn't very encouraging for those who spent a top five pick on him, but I think they might have been saving Eckler for this short week matchup versus Kansas City, which might be an optimistic view with the Chargers having three capable options behind him. It might just be a split all season long where Eckler isn't fully featured but he should still see plenty of valuable touches, and I have him as a top-five player this week. In the Kansas City backfield, Isaiah Pacheco going off in the fourth quarter. I think bodes well for his future outlook. Clyde Edwards-Elair caught two touchdowns, but Pacheco might be the best early-down option for them. Ronald Jones was a healthy scratch in the opener, while Pacheco scored his first career touchdown and brings a different kind of skill set than Edward Zeller or Jared McKinnon in the backfield. So there will be some weeks, I'm assuming, where Pacheco sees more work throughout the entire game, and that could be this week against the Chargers defense that is still shaky versus the run. Aside from Pacheco, the rookie running backs around the NFL didn't impress in their debuts. Brees Hall lost a fumble and will continue to split with Michael Carter for a struggling Jets offense. Damian Pierce was clearly behind Rex Burkhead in a major surprise for week one. And Isaiah Spiller was a healthy and active behind Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly, which was also the case for Tyrion Davis-Price in San Francisco with Elijah Mitchell missing two months with a knee injury. Presents an opportunity for Davis-Price to emerge behind Jeff Wilson. That said, Jordan Mason is actually the rookie runner for the Niners that I'd be targeting on waivers. Wilson should be the guy and a top 24 running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But Mason brings a skill set that most closely resembles the one Mitchell does. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mason ends up emerging in the backfield after he was active over Davis Price in the opener. And then finally, the other rookie running back worth mentioning is Ken Walker. He was inactive in week one and could remain inactive for multiple weeks beyond. It's really unclear with how Seattle handles injuries, but I would be surprised if Walker emerged as a lead back without an injury to Rashad Penny. Although Seattle starter didn't have a big game in terms of production on Monday night, the eye test was a definite pass 
he looked explosive and had one or two big runs called back because of the penalty. And I think Penny, even this week in a tough matchup versus the Niners, should be a weekly RB2 for a Seattle offense that will want to run the ball to support Geno Smith. For the other primary takeaways at running back based on week one, Saquon Barkley looked angry and determined as a runner, and his usage in Brian Dayball's offense should make him a potential high-end RB1 for as long as he stays healthy. Staying in the NFC East, Ezekiel Elliott looked good despite limited touches in week one, and he'll be leaned on for as long as Dak Prescott is out. So I rank him as a top 12 option at running back. And the hope is Dallas will remain competent with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And also the injury could boost Tony Pollard's outlook if Dallas does have success with a two-man backfield and Pollard sees action with design touches both at running back and out of the slot. And then another NFC guy, Miles Sanders. I said last week I'm not very high on him, and I highlighted Trey Sermon as a recommended stash with the expectation he would be inactive in the opener. But I have to say Sanders definitely looked as good as ever running the ball. He ran with power and looked more determined than usual and seemed to have an edge similar to Saquon Barkley, his former college teammate, did with the Giants. So if Sanders continues running like that and stays healthy, he could beat expectations and climb back to the RB2 ranks. For this week, I have him in the top 30 against the Vikings. Scrolling through the rankings here, the other running back I'll hit on to finish up here would be Aaron Jones. He only had five carries in week one and eight touches overall. He was outperformed and outtouched by A.J. Dillon. But Matt LaFleur said that the touch total for Jones was inexcusable. And I expect that it will change on Sunday night versus the Bears. And Jones should be in line for a big day. I have him as a top 10 option at running back. At wide receiver, we had a great start with Julio and Jahan Dotson as recommended draft targets for 2022. So I think they'll both be able to keep it going. Still severely undervalued if they're not ranked as a wide receiver two for Jones with Godwin out. And for Dotson, he should be a weekly wide receiver three as a full-time player for the Commanders. Another guy to point out is Christian Kirk, who caught six passes for 117 yards in his team debut. Kirk is the clear wide receiver one for Jacksonville, and Trevor Lawrence should trust him as a top target for the entire season. For someone that disappointed in week one, Devontae Smith was held without a catch. There might be some concern about Jalen Hurts locking on to A.J. Brown, but I think Hurts is good enough of a passer that he will spread the ball around, and Devonta Smith is obviously good enough of a receiver that he will make an impact. As soon as this week, I could see Smith busting out for a big game if he can get behind the Minnesota corners similar to what we saw from Christian Watson for the Packers. The other guys I wouldn't panic on are Adam Thielen, who faced Jair Alexander for much of Sunday's game, Darnell Mooney, who had to play in a monsoon on Sunday 
and will be Justin Fields' top target for the season. This week might see Mooney get heavy coverage from Alexander against the Packers, but beyond this week, especially if he doesn't put up numbers, Mooney will be a prime by-low candidate. And the same is true for Traylon Burks. He faces the Bills on Monday night, so if he has a quiet game, I'd look into acquiring the rookie. And even in, I guess, 10-team leagues, he might be someone that's on the waiver wire if he doesn't perform. Aside from Jahan Dotson, I think Burks is the best fantasy wideout in terms of the rookies, and he'll be a great buy low if contained this week versus the Bills. Finishing off with the tight ends, I mentioned Taysom Hill. He's a top 12 option for me, but right behind him in the rankings, I have Mike Gesicki against the Ravens. He'll be probably dropped in many leagues this week, but the Ravens allowed a touchdown to Tyler Conklin in the opener, and I like Gesicki in what could be a matchup-based offense where the game plan changes based on the opponent having a big game versus Baltimore just when many are overlooking him. Also, Albert Aquag Boonham, or Alberto, as many call him, is probably not going to live up to, I think PFF had him as a top five dynasty option at some point this year. I would be very surprised if he lived up to that, and the usage for Denver was concerning with four tight ends, and that was with rookie Greg Dulcich not in the lineup. But this week, I could see Alberto having a big game against Houston. So he's someone to maybe consider as a streaming option if he's available in your league. And then a couple of NFC North guys that struggled in week one. Both Cole Komet and Irv Smith were held without a catch. But I still think they could be tight end one options. Komet gets a tough matchup versus Green Bay this week. He didn't do well versus the Packers in 2021. So after this week, I'd consider scooping up Komet if available and hoping he could be a long-term tight end one. And for Smith, head coach Kevin O'Connell said they'll change the game plan depending on opponent against the Eagles on Monday night. Could be a spot where Smith is more of a factor, especially if Philadelphia tries to double-team Justin Jefferson. All right, that will cover the primary takeaways from week one as we look ahead to week two. If you have any questions in particular, consider subscribing to Fantasy Consigliere. We'll be happy to answer. With that, you get our weekly rankings for any start-sit decision. But you can also check out my weekly thumbs-up, thumbs-down article for a free look at some of my favorite plays and fades of the week. Also, please consider leaving a rating for the podcast and any feedback, whether good or bad. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was a fantasy. It's a Larry podcast.